I'm not even going to ask you. I want to know, but I'm not going to ask. You'll tell me when you feel comfortable. So what was it, 400? <laughs> 500? Did you pay 500 for this? Over six? Can't be seven. <laughs> don't, don't tell me you paid $700 for this jacket. Did you pay $700 for this jacket? Is that what you're saying to me? You are sick. Is that what you paid for this jacket? Over 700? What did you pay for this jacket? I won't say anything. I want to know what you paid for this jacket. Oh my God. $1,000? You paid $1,000 for this jacket. All right, fine. I'm walking out of here right now thinking you paid $1,000 for this jacket unless you tell me different. But I don't want to be a secondary character. out the charm ready with the handshake and an open palm pipe down chorus boy yes alton <laughs> you've got a mouth to jerry and say chorus boy chorus boy chorus boy chorus boy welcome to but i don't want to be a secondary <laughs> character uh, a seinfeld podcast about the secondary characters of our show and uh this week we are talking about the jacket and les miserables and les miserables <laughs> jean valjean That's no right. we're not not and quite. plenty of other things to do with the jacket and one of the best characters ever. Oh, Alton Bennis, one of your mates. Yeah. You love I, Alton. I wish he was my mate. Yeah. <laughs> In my mind, he's my mate. A famous writer. Yeah. We'll, we'll see how obsessive I get throughout the episode. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, uh, yeah, you can get in touch with us on social media. Uh, our handle is at Bidwabask. And uh, we've got an email address, Podcast at gmail.com. Yeah, and bidwabast.com is our website. And, uh, Stephen, we're coming off a really excellent live show that we did uh, on Sunday night. So thank you very much. If you did tune in to our Facebook page and you watched, uh, we had a bit of trouble with YouTube, so went on Facebook. Uh, hope you enjoyed it. Thank you very much. And thanks for those who came to George's Bar. Yeah, that's right. We had a, a good, small, fun little crowd, uh, mostly friends. It was really fun. So uh, another big thanks to George's Bar as well for having us. So we really appreciate it. It was a fun space to do the show in. Yeah. Um, and they were really kind and really cool as well. Mm, very cool indeed. Yeah. So yeah, thanks again. And hopefully we can do another live show. That'd be yeah, really nice. We're already talking about maybe doing one for our 100th episode. <laughs> oh, yeah. So Season five or six? I don't know. Way down the line. Yeah. In a year or so. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, if you did come or if you did listen, um, yeah, thanks a lot. It will be out next week as our 50th episode in uh, normal order. And uh, you can actually watch the video on our Facebook account and on our YouTube page as well. Yes, indeed. So, mm-hmm. it goes for about 50 minutes. Uh, ignore the first minute or so. Uh, before I realised that we were actually live. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and um, next week, we're actually going to be putting up an audio version of the live show that we did. That's so right. the contest, that'll be episode 50 on your feed. So if you haven't subscribed already, uh, feel free to do so. That's right. And we are available on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah. Uh, and we'd really love it if you wanted to review us. That would be uh, amazing. We've gotten a few, which has been great. Yeah. Um, but if you want to let us know what you think, good or bad, uh, that would be tremendous. That would, would be tremendous indeed. As tremendous as wearing a suede jacket in the snow. 
Uh, no, that's worse. Much, much better than that. Yeah. <laughs> Turning it inside out. Yeah. That would be better. <laughs> the candy stripes. Yeah. <laughs> the candy I really man. like those candy stripes. Me too. I think they're great. Jerry looked like he was going to sell candy. Yeah, he did. He looked he like just... a lolly um, shop owner. Yeah, yeah, he did. From uh, like the candy man from Willy Wonka. The candy man. Can... Yeah. That's another musical. There That's you true. Go. Mm-hmm. There you go. It's all connected. Yes. A great connection of life. It is the musical hour on Bidmore Basque. We're going to talk about musicals. That's right. Not Amongst quite. other things. <laughs> Not quite. Seinfeld News? Yep. Okay, this week in Seinfeld News, two articles to talk about. First of all, uh, this is an Australian one. Rarely are there Australian-specific uh, Seinfeld News. They normally come out of America. Yeah, naturally. goodness. Wow. Uh, so through the week, a fellow by the name of David Koch, who uh, and most of our Australian <laughs> listeners would know who is. Koshy. Koshy. The uh, Port Adelaide CEO as well. If, if you follow the AFL, ah. he, uh, he's the CEO of Port Adelaide, one of the clubs. Okay. Based in Adelaide. Yes. Didn't know that. Hmm. He's also known for being a pretty popular uh, breakfast morning television host guy. I don't know. He's sort of he's been around for what twenty years. Yeah. I don't know a lot about him, but um, I don't really keep tabs on on breakfast program hosts. But he's pretty well known, and everyone calls him Koshi. That's his nickname. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he uh, there was an article through the or an interview through the week um, with I believe it was News dot com, mm-hmm. and they asked him a question: Who's been your most difficult uh, celebrity that he's interviewed because yeah. he's interviewed a lot of famous people over his time. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, and he went through a few guests um, and notably for, obviously for this podcast, he said that uh, Michael Richards, who plays Kramer... <laughs> but he did mention on Facebook that uh, he, the mid-noughties were a pretty uh, hard time for him. Yeah. he interviewed him, what, 2004, wasn't it? It was 2004, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I did try and find the interview on YouTube um, <laughs> and somewhere else. Couldn't, find, couldn't even find any pictures of it, so... Uh-huh. It would be interesting to watch it. Um, he said, and I quote, he was a nightmare to interview. Um, and he went on to say as well that you'd feed him a line to be funny and he'd answer in this mad, quote unquote, Michael Richards way. So you'd go, okay, he's Michael. We'll talk about him and be a bit more serious. And then he'd answer like Kramer. So it seems like his answers were sort of incongruous with the, the question With the style. question, yeah, yeah. And he was trying to alter his question style to match his mood, but then he would flip. Yeah. And I, I think he was just confused. Um, yeah, but 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 like I said, in a larger context, the mid two thousands seemed to be a pretty bad time for Michael Richards. It was, especially with that controversy at the comedy club. But isn't it funny? He's been in character for like six years after Seinfeld ended. He's yeah. still, he's still, you know, he's probably absorbed the role of Kramer so much mm. that he just just like, oh yeah. Kramer. Yeah, I'm just going to live like Kramer. Therapy for five years, trying to decouple his personality (laughs) from from Kramer. It's become like a part of his bipolar (laughs) disorder. Kramer's like his second personality. (laughs) Yeah, trying to trying to separate himself. Method acting at its finest. That's right. He's trying to unmethod. Is that a thing? Yeah, I I think so. Demethod. Demethodize. Yeah. So if you want to read a bit more about that, I did put a link up to the uh, the original article on our social media and on our Facebook and stuff too. Um, and we will put the link in the show notes too. Uh, the second bit of news is actually quite pertinent to this week's episode. So I was looking for news for Lawrence Tierney, who plays Elton Bennis, who we will talk about a bit later. Yeah. Um, he died in 2002, so obviously there's no up-to-date relevant news. Um, What's happened at his grave? Anything? I don't know. <laughs> flowers were changed. Yeah. I'm not sure. Okay, cool. Probably doesn't have many people changing flowers, which will sort of clarify yeah, why a bit we'll, later. Yeah, we will talk about Lawrence Tierney a bit yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, but there was a, a list uh, put out by a website called Digital Spy. I think they're just a pop culture sort of website. Um, and the, the list was called Eight Movie Stars Who Tested Their Co-Stars' Patience. 
and uh, funnily enough, Lawrence Tierney was in it. Um, the reason why he was actually uh, in Reservoir Dogs, if you know the scene where I think he's sort of the mastermind of the robbery. That's right. Yep. And he's assigning all of the robbers their names. Um, and some of them object to being called Mr. Pink. And, you know, and he's trying to sort of set them all straight and keep it under control. And uh, he's quite a curmudgeonly, you know, old kind of rough guy. One of your favorites. One of my favorites. Yeah, yeah. I do love him. Yeah. Uh, and... We'll, we'll talk about a bit more when we get into the actor himself, what happened on the set of Reservoir Dogs. But uh, when we do talk about it, um, and this has been sort of verified by Quentin Tarantino, a lot of it's first-hand accounts from Quentin Tarantino. Yeah. You'll understand why he made this list. But I just thought it was funny that we're doing this episode in, in March, mid-March, mm. and this list only came out a few weeks ago. It was sort of a weird kismet moment. Yeah, you know? funny that. Because <laughs> I couldn't find any articles about him, even about like his career, like a retrospective or anything for the last five or ten years mm. so you know i don't think he's a super well-known actor after he died so the fact that this list included him a few weeks before he we recorded yeah i'm like i don't know it I just worked yeah it was yeah. it was just good timing i was yeah. happy about that and uh that's all the seinfeld news for the week excellent thanks very much steve and uh, yeah in case you're wondering you're probably thinking didn't you guys talk about alton bennis in uh, season one when you talked about the seinfeld parents yeah we did but uh we had five or six other characters that we spoke about on top of Alton Bennis. Yeah, yeah. That, that was more of a summary of his, uh, I guess, his personality. Yeah. Whereas this is obviously about the episode that he's in, the only episode, The Jacket. Yeah. Um, so it'll be a much more of a deeper dive into him and also Lawrence Tierney, the actor who played him. Exactly. And it is season two of episode three of Seinfeld that we're talking about. Last week was, oh, well, yeah, last week was the phone message, which was episode four. That's right. So we're doing the episode before the phone message. Purely an accident again. Accident again, I know, crazy. Yeah. But don't stress the contest is next week and we do have a latest season episode coming up in two weeks time so stay tuned to our social media and you'll find out what episode that is stay with us we're going to talk about alton bennis and the jacket on bidwabask Today we're talking about Master of the House from Les Miserables. Oh, damn, it's an earworm. I think Schumann went crazy. I think it was that A note. It just yeah. kept going over and over his head. I think he just went insane. I like how George, uh, after Jerry tells him that, George looks a bit concerned. Yeah. And then Jerry goes off to do something. I think he goes into his room to maybe... Oh, that's right. He goes off to get the jacket yeah, to bring yeah. out and make a bit of an entrance with George. <laughs> and, and George starts singing it again and he kind of stops you know a bit of self-awareness and he shakes his head like oh, i gotta stop doing that uh, yeah i know <laughs> i think he's a bit con i think uh jerry planted a seed you know he's concerned about himself going crazy it's such an earworm yeah that's right <laughs> so the jacket season two episode three of seinfeld directed by tom sharones written by larry david and jerry seinfeld first aired february 6th 1991 just a short synopsis today uh while out shopping with elaine jerry comes across the perfect suede jacket it's pricey, but it fits him like a glove. And he decides to splurge on himself. Uh, let me ask you, pay $200. Okay, 300 <laughs> More than 300 Oh, okay, okay. I think he gets up to $700 before he just... You, he $700. Just oh, I'm just going to walk out this door you're and pretend you didn't... Man. You're a sick $1,000. You paid $1,000. If I don't hear anything from you, I'm going to assume you paid $1,000. Oh. I like Jerry's lack of response yeah. at all. No body language, no expression, yeah. no no words, nothing. How much do you reckon he did splurge on himself? Well, a thousand? I did think about it. Yeah, um, I thought so too. And actually did a bit of research on uh, online to see if there's any sort of unofficial or, you know, non-canonical 
amounts that are floating around. And the uh, the agreed upon amount amongst fans, especially on message boards, seems to be uh, one thousand to twelve hundred dollars. Twelve hundred yeah. back then. Yeah. Whoa. I mean, suede's an expensive material. It is. And it did look like a really well made jacket. I mean, that lining is pretty pretty schmick. <laughs> but, the candy um, line. Yeah. The you candy striped uh, lining. But you, won't, I don't want anyone like you dressed like that. You look like a damn fool. You look like a damn fool. <laughs> no one looks. No, you're not going to walk with me, and my daughter, down the street looking like that. <laughs> <laughs> you think any normal sane person um i mean it is a sitcom and it's fine but, but alton thinks anyone everyone's gay yeah <laughs> like you would either walk behind them and you'd be like okay well you and you and elaine walk ahead of us if you don't want to be seen with us yeah um or you just bear the cold for five blocks yeah. and just sort of like crumple it up or like protect it or i don't know like there, to me it was a case of like well okay you didn't want to wear it inside out fine but there are other options. Yeah. You know, or take a cab and meet them there. I don't know. It's, it's only just, five blocks. I know. It's only five <laughs> blocks. Cab. You sound like Jack Lumpers. <laughs> anyway, Elaine's father, Alton Bennis, who uh, I think we'll be devoting most of this episode to because he is virtually the only second character, secondary yeah. character. And Stephen, we are committed to doing every episode of Seinfeld. So we will be doing, you know, episodes of one or two secondaries yeah. here and there like we have recently. Uh, Alton Bennis, played by Lawrence Tierney, is in town from Maryland and she wants Jerry or sorry Elaine wants Jerry and George to join for dinner they're a bit intimidated with the elder Bennis being a well-known author he's also a cranky old coot who scares them into silence when Elaine's delayed the three of them don't have a lot to say when they set off for dinner Jerry's afraid to wear his new jacket in the snow meanwhile George is keen to see Les Miserables and can't get one of the show tunes out of his head master <laughs> of the house Neither can Alton at the end of the episode. No, that's right. That's sort of like a nice bookend. <laughs> yeah. To the uh, to the end of the episode, it's is that during the credits? Yeah. Oh no, just before the credits. Just before, before the, the, credits. Uh, the comedy skit. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Before the stand up. It's the final scene. Yeah. That's yeah. Right. The episode closes with that. That's right. Yeah. He's driving home back to Maryland, and he's got this like real scrunched up, angry look on <laughs> his face, and then he just starts singing like "Master of the House." That's the only lyrics I know. Yeah. Some trivia for the episode, Steve. So we did mention before Lawrence Tierney yeah uh, he was originally going to be a recurring character that's like right. Jerry and George's parents but uh, it turns out Tierney according to the producers he took out a knife from the set and hid it under his jacket and uh, when Jerry asked him about it Tierney pulled the knife and proceeded to imitate the famous shower scene and score from Psycho yeah and it was sort of just an ad hoc thing of, of him trying to awkwardly cover the fact that he was trying to steal the knife yeah I don't think he thought that uh, anyone spotted him mm. I did uh, watch some interviews and you can find these on YouTube actually I think they're DVD extra interviews yeah uh, for the episode uh, Michael Richards, Jason Alexander, I'm pretty sure JLD, um, and one of the maybe it was Tom Sharon's one of the I think he's a showrunner for this episode. No, he's the director. He's the director, episode, right, yeah. right, right, right. He um they all sort of gave their take on it and they all basically said he was just nuts. Hmm. And uh Tom Sharon said that Larry David, like after he was asked not to come back, <laughs> Larry David from then on said that if they didn't do a good job on future <laughs> he'd, episodes, he'd bring Lawrence Tinney back. He would threaten to bring him back just yeah. as like a, a you know, a way to keep him in yeah, line. As like a joke. As yeah. a threat. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pretty funny. Yeah, and, and even like Jason Alexander and Julia Louis Dreyfus, they saw the incident and Jason recalls it scared the living crap out of all yeah. of us. Yeah, yeah, they both said that in that interview. And Jerry was the only person sort of with the um the, the confidence to walk up to him. And apparently just said, hey, Lawrence, what have you got there in your jacket? Yeah, that's right. And he was sort of caught off guard and he had to, you know, just improvise, improvise on the spot. And he made up this like obviously bullshit story about taking the knife to play a prank. But even if he was, even if that was genuine, like 
Who would use a, a kit? A, you know, it's not a fake kitchen. It's a real I'm kitchen knife. I'm surprised it wasn't like a prop knife. Yeah. It's actually a real knife. Yeah. Yikes. I don't know. It just... That is a bit scary. Yeah. Goodness. Yeah. I think that's just a, a sort of um, an indication of his, uh, I don't know, of his character, which we will talk about. Not his character that he plays, but, you know, who who Lawrence was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, which we'll talk about in a bit more detail in a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, it was sort of just one of many incidences that sort of made, made it clear you know, who he really was. Yeah. So, And the character of Alton Bennis was inspired by another famous novelist or a real-life novelist, Steve. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Richard Yates. He wrote a book called Revolutionary Road, which was actually turned into a movie. Yeah, that's right. I think it has Tom Hanks? Yeah, I think so. I think it came out in the 2000s. Yeah. yeah. Or am I thinking of Road to Perdition? Oh, no, I think it's Road to Perdition. Okay. Yeah. I right. know, it might have been a movie. I don't, I don't know. know. Oh, no, oh Revolution- no, sorry. No, the movie, the, a movie of the same name was made in 2008. Okay. There we go. Yeah, I knew there was a movie yeah. about it. Yeah. Um, yeah, so apparently Richard Yates's daughter, um, I didn't get her name. Monica. Monica. She was dating Larry David and a uh, similar situation. So Larry David had to meet Richard um, before Monica came along. Yeah. And they were trying to sort of just hang out. And uh, he was apparently every bit as intimidating as uh, as Elton. That's right. So you know, making very uh, making Larry very uncomfortable. Indeed. Yep. And uh, other secondary characters in this episode, only in for a couple of like a minute each. You know, thirty seconds. Yeah. France Turner, he played the salesman at the store who sold Jerry the suede jacket. Mm-hmm. Sue Ann Spoke played the customer, uh, also in the store, and Harry Hart Brown played the manager. Yeah. Uh, I think the manager was that in the restaurant? Maybe. Yeah. I'm not sure. I don't know. They were just so obscure. Yeah. Like, I know we love talking about the obscure characters in Seinfeld, yep. but these guys were too obscure, so I don't even have any notes on them. I do have one or two notes on a couple of them. Yeah. I did want to mention as well, even though he's an unseen character, technically Kramer's magician friend is a, is a secondary <gasps> oh, character. Oh, he is. Yeah, he is too, with his yeah. doves. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and even though you never see him or hear him speak, you don't know anything about him. What he does kind of has an impact on the overall storyline. It does. So. And, of course, Kramer has a magician friend. <laughs> of course. Yeah. You know what he I mean? Has, like, he, he's definitely a friend of Kramer's. For sure. You can tell. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just imagine him to be like this two-bit bad amateur magician, you know, who struggles to even get, like, kids' parties. Yeah, yeah. You know? And, uh, yeah, he's got, he's got pigeons who all have different diets. But in the end, Kramer just feeds them mini Ritzes. Yeah. <laughs> do you have any of those mini, mini Ritzes? I love that scene. He's just like, oh, Jerry's like, oh, actually, I do. Can't believe I do. I can't believe I do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that look of Jerry's shock. He's just like, huh, I do. Wow. Great product placement. Yeah. 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 And I mean, I, I can just imagine the situation leading up to that where, uh, you know, Kramer's trying to remember the individual diets where he's got a list of what they eat. He doesn't have any of the foods and he's like... What do par- uh, what do pigeons eat? They must like crackers. So he just you know he doesn't have any crackers. So he goes <laughs> next door. Just just him abandoning their specific diets and just feeding them ritz. Maybe the birds are gluten intolerant. <laughs> they can't eat the. Biscuits. I'm not sure. They're all vegan birds. Yeah, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Prompt. Want to talk about some secondary characters? Yeah. Well, or one of them, I guess. Yeah. Yep, Alton Bennis, played by Lawrence Tierney. You got some facts about Lawrence? Yeah, so he was born in 1919. He died in 2002, so he was uh, 82 when he died. Um, He was a really well-known actor in the 40s and 50s. That was sort of his first golden age. Um, And he was best known for portraying mobsters and tough guys. Um, And weirdly enough, they kind of mirrored who he was. He didn't have to put on much of uh, an act to sort of be these characters. Yeah. I watched some footage uh, of him in a movie. I can't remember what it's called. It's just like a YouTube scene. Yeah. 
And um, was it when he was younger or older? Yeah, he, w- he looked about 35, 40. So it's probably in the 40s or 50s. Probably, yeah. yeah. Well, he was born in 1919, so I'm going to guess it was in the 50s. Yeah. Maybe he was in his 30s. Okay. Um, and he walks, he's, he's with this woman and he walks into a bar and um, he orders three beers and the bartender brings over the three beers and he's not sure where to put the third one. And uh, Lawrence says, that one's for you. And he goes, oh, okay. He thinks he's just being nice. So he drinks the beer and then he tells the woman like sort of, you know, that 50s style of like, go wait in the car. Like, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. men telling women what to do. Of course. So she goes, she looks a bit concerned. Yeah. And then uh, the, the bartender finishes the beer and then uh, Lawrence hands him the other beer and the bartender's a bit confused, but he's like, okay, I'll drink a second beer for free. So as he's drinking, Lawrence is death staring him and he says, you don't remember me, do you? And <laughs> the, the bartender looks a bit concerned. And he refers to like a time he came in five or ten years ago when he had no money. Geez, five or ten years ago. In in the storyline in this yeah, movie. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, wow, yeah. vindictive guy. I know. He, he holds a grudge. Yeah. And uh, this bartender doesn't recognize him. And uh, apparently he refused him service because he had no money. And I think he came in just for like some water or a free drink or something. So obviously Lawrence's character was uh, pretty, you know, still holding on to that grudge. And then it shows a scene of him smashing the glass. You don't see it happen but it sort of cuts away and you hear a bit of a struggle and it cuts back and you just see the bartender part like like stumped uh, what's the word slumped over on the chair yeah so he like killed him for an insult from five or ten years ago so that was the sort of character that he played these sort of like tough guy mobsters yeah yeah um you know and and that was his personality <laughs> so yeah like i said he died uh in 2002 um he was 82 he died from pneumonia yeah and uh Throughout the sixties and seventies, he had a pretty sort of bad run yeah. of, uh, of 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 acting. Well, as an actor, he didn't he didn't have much work. Yeah, it's probably. I think it was what bad role choices and stuff. Well, no, it was mostly legal troubles. He kind of blacklisted, oh, not right. blacklisted himself, but he. I don't think many studios and 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 people wanted to work with him because he was, he was toxic. He was toxic, exactly. Yeah, his character, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. right. So he had a reputation, and it took a while for you know that to sort of go away and for him to have a resurgence. So mm-hmm. yeah, um, he was arrested more than twelve times throughout his life, mostly for alcoholism or crimes related to alcoholism. Yeah, a lot of bar fights. Um, there was a stabbing that he was suspected in being uh, involved in, but he was never convicted. Mm. Um, you know, so he'll take of, that to the grave with him, probably. Yeah. So probably, I don't think it was a fatal stabbing. It was a bar fight, and someone pulled a knife right but he was never convicted i think yeah. he was uh, suspected yeah um it, and but most of it just came down to um you know severe alcoholism you know and poor choices because of that and yeah. he still lived to 82 yeah Not so he bad. Did, did pretty well he was a he pretty did. tough guy yeah i know he probably just threatened his liver <laughs> you know, like his liver was giving him trouble like pipe down chorus boy oh he just said go wait in the car <laughs> go wait <in> <laughs> to the liver <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly yeah, yeah yeah cool yeah uh, yeah so alton bennis um so yeah he's a obviously a famous author he wrote a famous book he did the yeah. book's called fair game fair game drivel drivel <laughs> yeah well maybe some parts what parts? What parts? <laughs> yeah, he's very, uh, he's very cluey, isn't he? Like, yeah. if you say like a a, a throwaway th- phrase, mm. he'll say he'll want you to specify what you mean. Yeah, it's like, what do you mean by that? It's like, um, yeah, he's sort of got laser focus on certain things. If he mm. doesn't care about something, he just scoffs at it. Yeah, but if he fixates on something, he he doesn't. He sort of nails you down. Yeah, he really probes you for the answer. Yeah, doesn't yeah. he? He doesn't yeah. let up. There's no sort of like flexible casual conversation it's very very deliberate and direct yeah yeah um so 
I mean, straight up, he's a very, very intimidating and imposing man just through his presence. He doesn't even really do anything to be intimidating. He just is. Yeah. Um, you know, and that's who Lawrence Tierney is. So, um, yeah, I mean, understandably, Jerry and George, who aren't very intimidating people. No. Um, in terms of, like, physical presence, uh, they're shit scared of him, which is where most of the comedy comes that's from. That's what makes it funny. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he obviously likes whiskey. I think he drinks a lot of whiskey in his private life. Whiskey. Plenty yeah. of ice. Plenty of ice. Do you yeah. like ice? Yeah. <laughs> Do I like ice? Do you find it gets too watery? Just yeah, the look on his yeah, face. Just a look on Alton's face. Yeah, yeah, it says it all. Yeah. I mean, Lawrence nailed this role. Oh, he is, did. Yeah, he was you know, really good. The things that he didn't say made it even better. Yeah. Just the, the looks on his face of just like... It's like he didn't even act. He just played himself. Yeah. Yeah, yeah pretty much. Uh, he was a war veteran, so he fought... You know, uh, it's it's known that he fought in the Korean War. There's a chance that he may have fought in uh, Fortin. Yeah, we Fortin. had a funny guy in Korea, yeah. Tail Gunner, blew his brains out all over the Pacific. <laughs> <laughs> That's my favorite line. That's my favorite good. line in the episode. Yeah, because it just takes it to this really intense place. Like, yeah, they're just making small talk. You know, so what do you do for a living? And you know, how's Elaine? And chit chat stuff and then he just brings up this specific guy who had this horrible death in the war and he was a funny guy yeah he was a funny guy. you know and he says it straight after jerry sort of says yeah i'm the comedian i don't know like that would be a really hard conversation to come back from yeah if someone a was hard to, act to follow yeah exactly you'd just be like uh okay yeah i don't know the fact that he brought it up and he brings up uh his um military experience more than once makes me think that he is maybe still traumatized by what he saw. You know, of course, I mean, yeah. He probably saw a lot of action, a lot of shit. Yeah. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe that contributed to him having a, a pretty sort of tough exterior. Like maybe he was, you know, a bit more soft uh, before the war, but that sort of hardened him a bit, made yeah. him a bit more cynical and less, uh, you know, less easy to be around, you know, which is pretty common for people to go through pretty horrible shit. I think they come back a bit more... I don't know, just a bit more distant and, you know, emotionally cold. Yeah. So, and the fact that he brings it up twice in, what, 10 minutes to two strangers makes me think that it's still on his mind. It's still something that he deals with Yeah. on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. So, uh, I was trying to think, what would his book Fair Game be about? What would someone like Alton Bennis write about? I'd say to be like... I don't know, maybe thriller, yeah. spy novel or something. That's what I'm Probably thinking. Probably something like that. Exactly what I was thinking. Yeah, like, yeah. It's something to do with the military or spies or mm. government or something. It wouldn't be yeah. like, you know, it wouldn't be an airy fairy story. It'd be like Probably about, like a Tom Clancy novel. Yeah. It'd be something like that. Yeah, yeah. exactly. With funny guys getting blown up. All over the Pacific. <laughs> Although you could probably, like, in an alternate universe, maybe he's like an adult erotic writer. Maybe. Maybe Fair Game is like Mills and Boone. <laughs> <laughs> he took off his pants. She took off her bra. That's true. Well, <laughs> <laughs> maybe it's like, you know, my dad wrote a porno. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> really bad yeah. fiction. But but he's famous and everyone loves him, so... Yeah. True, true. <laughs> it's like adult erotic. <laughs> <laughs> Written from the perspective of Alton Bennis. Yeah. It wouldn't be very descriptive. It'd be like, they had sex and it was good. The brains aren't the only thing that's going to blow. <laughs> <laughs> I made a joke. <laughs> anyway, laughing time is over. Let's be serious again. Yeah, exactly. Uh, another sort of thing that made me think, yeah, he probably wrote something to do with spies or something, is he mentions, and it's quite it's quite a quick, uh, like a blink and you'll miss line. He refers to... Um, uh, it sort of comes back from a, from an ad break, I think, or from a from another scene, and it cu- cuts back to to um, 
Alton talking to Jerry and George, and he says, yeah, they should have taken out Castro, just like they did in Guatemala in 1953. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. you know, Castro was uh, the Cuban leader yeah. and uh, famous communist, doesn't like America, blah, blah, blah. And uh, I, I, I looked up what happened in Guatemala in 1953. So mm-hmm. apparently uh, the CIA were um, engaging in uh, psychological warfare because uh, I believe there was a, a, a political person or a political party in... If I'm incorrect, please forgive me. Yeah. Just, but, just let us know. Yeah, let us know. Yeah. If, you're, if you're an expert on Guatemalan political history, <laughs> yeah. uh, happy, to be, happy to be corrected. Central American politics. Central American politics in, yeah. the, in the 50s. <laughs> happy to be uh, corrected. But uh, there was a like a political someone in in the political sort of world who was um, gaining more and more influence, and you know America in the fifties in the height of the Cold War they didn't really take kindly to communist countries. No. Um, so the CIA were engaging in in sort of um, asymmetrical warfare and political warfare to try and shut this guy down, um, and then all this stuff happened throughout the 50s in Guatemala and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So the fact that he obviously doesn't like commies, so he's like, they should have taken out Castro, just like Guatemala. He's definitely a capitalist. Definitely. And yeah. that, you know, if, if that sort of stuff's on his mind, I think is I think Fair Game's probably about spies or, or the military in the yeah, Cold I think, War. I think he'd definitely be a writer of those kind of For sure. genres, yeah. Yeah, sort yeah. of fiction, but like no-nonsense you know, pro-American fiction for sure. I reckon as well. He's like you know Harper Lee when she was alive. She wrote To Kill a Mockingbird. Okay. And then you know like, but you know she they released like her second book. Yeah. Like a year or two ago. Yeah. When she died, like after she died, mm. I think he's probably one of those one-hit wonders. Okay. In like the fiction world, I think he just wrote one major book. He was like Harper Lee. Right. And he's just known for that book. Yeah. Like Fair Games is like his big one. Yeah. You know. Yeah. That's his most famous Do one. He hasn't written another one since. Okay, so yeah. so you mean that he's only written one book and it was really well regarded, yeah. or he's yeah. written a bunch and this is the only good one? No, I reckon he, I reckon this is probably the one, mm-hmm. and he's written it. Okay, I reckon he's probably done like journalism, or he's written articles for newspapers or something, right. and then he decided I'm going to write a fictional book. Yeah, and then it was like a fluke. It was like Harper Lee with To Kill a Mockingbird. Yeah, you know, yeah, he's like a one-hit wonder. He wrote the book; it became mm. a New York Times bestseller, huge, massive, you know, like a significant book in terms of culture and society and yep. stuff and yep. yeah and then everyone just knows who he is like oh you wrote fair game yeah you know true yeah, i'm it. sure maybe it was maybe it was so highly regarded because it perfectly encapsulated you know the cold war from yeah. from an american perspective you mm. know like fear of nuclear annihilation yeah um conspiracy theories blah 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 um i don't know yeah that's a good i never thought of yeah, that but yeah. that's that's it i think that's a good um yeah i think that makes sense and then one point we mentioned i remember in season one i think it was when um you know he goes to Elaine, do you have a job? You're working, mm. and then Elaine goes, yeah, I'm 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 uh, reading manuscripts at Pendant Publishing. Pendant, Pendant, those bastards. Yeah, uh, I think we mentioned in season one that I think Pendant Publishing probably rejected Fair Game. Yeah, like maybe he wanted to publish it, and then Pendant like, no, we don't like it. Yeah, it's too political or whatever. Yep. Yeah, yeah, it's probably one of, the, and then he's like, you bastards. Yeah, went somewhere else because you do throughout the series, you do meet a few uh, uh, um. Uh, I think Elaine works at Pendant for sort of two or three seasons and you do meet a few of the writers that, um, you know, she has to work with and none of them seem to be of, of that specific genre. So maybe it's just outside of Pendant's wheelhouse, Yeah. you know, but Alton didn't take too kindly to that and he's still holding a grudge, you know, like uh, like his character in the movie I mentioned before. Yeah. You know, ten yeah, years yeah. later, he has to glass a bartender for, <laughs> for refusing to serve him booze. And he kills the guy. Yeah, Fuck. he kills him and Jesus. just walks out. And there's a guy in... Sorry, I forgot to mention that scene as well. There's a guy play, playing the piano 
And uh, as he's glassing him, he plays it louder to sort of cover the sounds of his of his murder. It's, oh, maybe he's in on it. Yeah, maybe it's a very disarming scene. But oh, um, I gotta watch it. Yeah, it's it's cool. I I can't remember what it's called. Um, but uh, yeah, if you just go to YouTube and watch it, it's like a four minute scene from a fifties film. Nice. Yeah, it's it's uh it's a it's a very intense scene. Cool. Especially for that t- that time as well. You don't see anything. No. But just the build up to it and the fact that this bartender is completely unaware of what's going to happen. Because I don't think they really had gratuitous violence no. in the fifties. No. No. Yeah. No. 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 And they didn't have CGI to you know it would be hard to f- to sort of make that look real. So yeah. they kind of they put the camera away and put it back. Yeah, and they showed you the after effects. Fill in, fill in the gaps. That's yeah. It. Yep. I think Alton, I kind of touched on this before, but I think Alton, even though he has this really hard, tough guy exterior, I think he does feel big feelings. I think he cares about Elaine a yeah. lot. I think he was a distant but caring father. Yeah. I think he would have been cold and hot, you know, sort of as he is as an older man. Um, and I also think that he was influenced by his by his father. I wouldn't be surprised if that sort of staunch idea of American masculinity was passed down to him you know, it's a cultural thing. Of course. You know, and that was sort of the stereotype of men growing up in the 50s and 60s. That yeah. Sort of you know, after the war. Cold. Exactly. You know. Yeah. 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 So I, I think in, inside he does feel big feelings, not just about Elaine, um, you know, just about the world in general. But I think that's sort of in conflict with his idea of what a man or what, what he should be. What a man has to be. What a man yeah. has to be. And, you know, that causes a bit of a conflict, um, you know, and I think that's something he struggles with privately he's just very old hat yeah exactly yeah Yeah. it's sort of like who he thinks he should be versus who he maybe wants to be inside yeah and that can cause a bit of an an emotional battle combined with his uh war experiences i think that would you know it would understandably make him drink a lot oh of course yeah so i think he's a heavy i think i said before he's a heavy alcoholic alcoholic. and the alcohol helped him write the book (laughs) probably (laughs) the novel yeah 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 well, I mean, some of the best writers were, you know, known to be... On drugs or drunk drug, or whatever. Or just drunks. Yeah. You know, I mean, Christopher Hitchens, who's a... He died about five or six years ago. Yeah. He was an amazing writer and he was a highly functioning alcoholic. <laughs> so, you know, just as an example, so, you know... I better get on the booze. <laughs> the old writer to kill a mockingbird 2.0. <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm sure a lot of people think that. And you know when you think things that aren't very good are great when you're drunk, you're like, yeah, like this song I'm playing on guitar is amazing. And then you just re- regret it. <laughs> yeah, and then you listen back to it sober or something, and you're like, this is utter crap. Wonderwall. <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen that meme? It was um, the meme of like a protester and he throws like a projectile at the, the right police. And no. it's like, I think that the, the right police are like an, an awesome house party. It's It says like awesome house party. And then... It has the protester on the back of him. It's like idiot with a good with acoustic guitar, and then the projectiles has written on it Wonderwall. Uh, <laughs> like he's like you know you go on an awesome party, and then this idiot pulls out a guitar and plays yep. like four chords and Wonderwall. Yeah, <laughs> it's just like boo. That idea is such a cliche in that there'll always be some douche who pulls out a guitar at a party, but I've. I've experienced that so many times. There's a reason why that's a stereotype. Why is that? Why do people do such a thing? I mean, when there's music playing in the background or whatever, why do people pull out the guitar? I just to people, show off? Or, I think or people what? just have like sort of low-level delusions of grandeur where they think that if I pull out a guitar and play Wonderwall and, you know, American Pie, like all these sing-along songs that everyone knows, that I'll sort of be the hit of the party or the centre of attention or that everyone will stop what they're doing and just sing along with me. Yeah. They'll sort of make the party but most people just like he's watched too many movies yeah I saw like a funny video I think it might have been a few years ago I think college humor maybe or something and it was basically like 
it was like a how-to video. It was like, yeah. how to pick up chicks at a party. He goes, pick up a guitar. And he's like this nerdy-looking guy with glasses and yep. played, you know, shirts and stuff. And he's like, he plays the first two chords of Wonderwall, and then like 30 women just jump on him. <laughs> it's like, dun, 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 and then all these women just go, yeah. I can guarantee you, from personal experience and as an observer, that's usually not the case. No, not Wonderwall. Most people just sort of under their breath just want him to shut up yeah just exactly like, just put the guitar just down. put on put the house music back on exactly yeah. you know well let's listen to the real wonderwall or like or when we were at george's lo-fi hip-hop yeah you know like the, the the low you know music that was kind of supporting our, our body that's right you might hear a bit of lo-fi hip-hop yeah next underneath. week if yeah. you haven't watched the video yet or you don't watch it between uh next week or this week and next week yeah uh in the background if you do hear some lo-fi hip-hop that was their sort of just <laughs> their their normal music and it kind of added to it yeah it did it was yeah. good no we should add no i was gonna say we should add hip-hop to this no, no not quite, no. Not quite. <laughs> should we take a little break and talk a bit more about elton yeah sure let's do it which one's supposed to be the funny guy? Oh, he's the comedian. <laughs> I, I'm just a regular person. No, no, he's just being modest. <laughs> we had a funny guy with us in Korea. Tail gunner. They blew his brains out all over the Pacific. So we're talking about uh, Elton Bennis at the moment and uh, also the jacket this week's episode from season two. Yeah. On But I Don't Want to Be a Secondary Character. So we've covered a lot of information about Elton, him being the main, if not only, sort of significant secondary character in this episode. Yeah. Uh, a bit more to go through um, about him. Yeah, just a bit. Because obviously he features prominently in this episode. Yeah, and we have covered him uh, before in our season one episode, episode 10, What's the Deal with the Seinfeld Parents? But that was more of a quick summary. This is a, a bit more of a deeper dive into him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Metaphorically speaking. Met- yeah. Yes. <laughs> uh, so- <laughs> yeah. He thinks everyone's gay. <laughs> <laughs> well, if it's true, I must be gay. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, he, I think he really likes Pakistani food. Oh, I think he just likes spicy food in general. Yeah. 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 And I kind of noticed as well the way he says... Um, you know, we'll go to that Pakistani restaurant. You boys don't mind a bit of spice, do you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. He almost lays it down as a challenge. As a challenge to like, Jerry and George, yeah. You know, to see if they're up to his, you know, amount of, his level of sort of manliness. I I thought about, you know, why he enjoys, like, f- exotic food like that. Mm. I think he travels. Oh. I think while writing Fair Game, I think he probably traveled the world. Maybe True. to get some clarity or inspiration or something. And mm. maybe he just traveled through Asia and Europe and stuff and... Yeah. He probably tried Pakistani and said, this is pretty good. True. And then, you know, yeah, I mean, he it enjoyed is... it. Maybe he just did it while he was, maybe after the war, he went traveling, or maybe he did it, like I said, to inspire him to write the book, to get ideas. And It's true. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, a lot of writers do travel for inspiration to give them perspective mm. and write better. So I think he's very worldly. Definitely. Yeah. yeah I mean, he seems to be, you know, in a 10-minute in a scene, he talks about you know the korean war guatemala guatemala <laughs> castro castro he talks about quite a few different things mm. you know his dislike of weathermen i don't need no <laughs> i don't need to be told what the weather's like to stick me head out the window yeah that's right <laughs> <laughs> uh he i wanted to mention as well sort of his his current personal status so i think he was married to um elaine's mother who's never named in the series no never um and this is one of the only times if not the only times from memory that she's even really mentioned in passing because mm. when Al- elaine's late um in in this scene uh jerry and george are waiting with alton for elaine to arrive so they can all go to out to dinner yeah and uh elaine turns up late and uh when when she finally turns up alton sort of says you know how you doing you're working 
how's your mother? How's your mother? <laughs> how's your mother? <laughs> how's your mother? <laughs> yeah, she's good. So I think, uh, you know, they had a short-lived but intense marriage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I think I think she would have left him because he would, I imagine he would be a very difficult man He's to live with. Such a gruff dude. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, even if, even if you know what he's like going into the relationship, if he doesn't change or if he gets more and more gruff as time goes on, I think that would be pretty... You know, that's intolerable, really. Yeah. It'd be really hard to listen to. <laughs> oh, of course. You know, but, you know, the good thing is that out of their marriage, Elaine came out of it. And, you know, and that's... Did. Yeah. And like you said before, I think even though he is emotionally cold, he's a great... I think he's a loving father. And yeah. Elaine inspired, you know, he inspired Elaine to get into publication. Yeah. Like, yeah, you know. Yeah. I mean, even if uh, you don't really know, because they never really talk about it, and he's only in this episode, and he only has like a minute or two with Elaine... Even if he had, even if he didn't have a strong sort of emotionally based father daughter relationship, I think at the very least Elaine respects him for who he is because you know he's such a, a highly regarded writer and like you said, um, you know that influenced her, her sort of career choice being a public. Uh, well, I guess she she's a publisher. Is. Yeah, she is. Yeah. Well, she works. Well, she, she, know, she at works. The time, she works at the time. In, she, she works she, in publishing. She read manuscripts. That's right. Yeah, for, yeah, for Pendant. Pendant. And then she bastards. went up. Yeah, those bastards. Yeah. 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 That's all I really had. Uh, oh, sorry. The last thing I had is that uh, he lives in Towson. It's a town in Maryland. Oh, that Maryland, yes. Yeah, so, right. well, that's where Elaine grew up. In Maryland, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's why sm- she wears the, uh, in one of the episodes, she wears the Baltimore the Orioles, Orioles uh, cap yeah. in the New York Yankees stand. Yeah, yeah, she gets the forced. stand. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I, I thought maybe he lives in Baltimore, but the... What sort of made me think that I think he, um, you know, he had Elaine in Towson. He met Elaine's mother there and kind of settled there, you know, aside from his traveling and he always comes back there. Yeah, yeah. Because at the end, Elaine says, or Jerry asks, you know, is your father still in town? And Elaine says, no, no, he's driving back to Maryland. Yeah, Maryland, yeah. You know, which is a state. state. Yeah. I think if he lived in Baltimore, which is a well-known city, she would have said Baltimore. Baltimore, yeah. Because Towson is, you know, a pretty small town. Yeah, yeah. I think it's got about 50-odd thousand people. Which is quite small for the US. Yeah, so if she said to Jerry Towson, Hmm. Jerry would be like, where's that? But the fact that she says Maryland, to me, implies that he lives in a smaller town, not not as noteworthy as Baltimore. Yeah, yeah. Um, Fair enough. Yeah. And, uh, sorry, the other final thing I had (laughs) is that I think he... You love him. This is your episode today. I feel like He's your mate. Yeah, yeah. 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 Do love me some, uh, Alton. Yeah. So, uh, I think that he sort of detests, whether it's because he doesn't understand or whether he thinks everyone is terrible, Mm -hmm. I think he detests the larger writer community. I don't think he would be the sort of person that would sort of welcome the the praise, you know, through awards and and interviews. And st- I think he would sort of shy away from the publicity and the media. Yeah, he he wants the private life. Yeah, yeah. I think he just wrote the book for him. Yeah, you know, he probably on some level appreciates the 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 praise and the respect he got, and um, you know, the love the book has. But um, I yeah, I don't think he would be the sort of person that would be one to sort of capitalize on the on the press and the public sort of life you know yeah um i think he's a pretty low-key dude so to sum up i think uh i i read uh, av clubs which is a uh, like a pop culture website they did a summary of this episode yeah um and specifically a summary of the character and i thought it encapsulated him perfectly so i want to read it mm-hmm. um av club have said alton is pitched as the ultimate scary father He's physically imposing, dressed like a gangster. Oh which yeah, is so true. It is, yeah, like with, with his hat as well, sort of gangster. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. It's probably a reference to his old films from the fifties. Yeah, that's you know. true. A tribute. Yeah. 
Uh, like an homage. That's right, yeah. So yeah. dressed like a gangster, gravel voice, drinks scotch, thinks every man he meets is gay, is a career war veteran, and worst of all, a legendary novelist. And is a closet Les Miserables fan. Definitely. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> Definitely. So uh, that's everything on uh, Alton. So thanks for uh, letting me talk a lot about Alton. No worries. He's Do your man. He is. Yeah. Talk about quickly some other secondaries. Oh, yeah. I don't have any notes. Okay. <laughs> Go for it. Okay. So we've got Salesman. They're only credited to Salesman, uh, played by Franz Turner. Uh, he's known for his work in Short Term 12, The King of Queens. And, uh, I ah, got, King of Queens. Yeah. Cool. And I got the hookup. Cool, uh, cool. The only thing I had on him was that he was very fashionable working in a clothing oh, store. He just looked... I think he would be very fashionable outside of the store as well. I think fashion is his passion. Well, when you sell $1,000 suede jackets, true. you know, you yeah. expect to be. That's true. Mm-hmm. That's true. Uh, we've also got the customer who uh, comes up and speaks to Elaine and is, is sort of pleasantly surprised when uh, Jerry says that Elaine is Elton Bennis's daughter. That's right. Ah, um, fair game. Yeah, that's right. I think that she is a passionate reader, obviously. Yeah. And I think she wants the world to read more books rather than uh, watch more TV. What makes you say that? I don't know. Just, just uh, that vibe you have. Yeah, I just think she really loves books and she respects writers, um, you know, and I've met people who love books and they're the sort of people that would, I think, would prefer people read more rather than watch TV. I don't know. Uh, and we've also got manager. Uh, again, we couldn't exactly remember. I don't remember who it was. Yeah. <laughs> they're just so minuscule in the episode. I know. Meh, for meh. Yeah, I, I mean, know. even if they had more scenes, they're still so vastly overshadowed by Alton. He just completely owns this episode. Yeah. Uh, so the manager was played by Larry Hart Brown. He's an actor. He's known for Street Asylum and The Beach Girls. No idea what either of those are. <laughs> I know The Beach Boys, <laughs> not The Beach Girls. True. <laughs> yeah, maybe they were like a female, sp- like a women-only spin-off of The Beach Boys. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, and also Seinfeld's magician friend. Of um, course. Yeah. The doves. Yeah, the doves, the pigeons, mm-hmm. who uh, end up just getting fed ritzes. Yeah. So that's all this. <laughs> and, the, and they probably all died of, you know, gluten. Probably. <laughs> Overdoses. Yeah. Whatever it's it is. Probably, I don't know much about, uh, you know, avian diets, but, you know, you're not supposed to feed bread to ducks because they choke on it. That's right. I imagine that, you know, you're probably not supposed to feed dry you know, crackers made for humans <laughs> to, uh, to, 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 to pigeons. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, I would imagine. Yeah. Uh, so that's all the, si- uh, the secondary characters for the week. If you have anything else you'd like to contribute, get in touch with us. Please. That'd be great. That's right. Do you so, have any time for it, uh, I've got one. All right. I haven't had any since Sunday. Yeah. So yeah. we only recorded the live show two days ago. So <laughs> yeah, not nice. a lot of time for a Seinfeldism. It's basically been like work, home, work home that's it no Seinfeldisms that's right yeah so last night I was listening to some music at home and uh, I listened to a band called Polar Bear Club they're a sort of pop punk band oh nice Um, and not only their name is a Seinfeldism that's right because there is the episode I can't remember which episode it is but Kramer joins the Polar Bear Club that's right and he befriends the club and they're sort of older gentlemen and they swim in the Hudson River yeah that's right (laughs) so in case you didn't know Polar Bear Clubs they're sort of clubs usually of like older people mostly men who go swimming in intentionally in really cold like usually freezing for waters. some sick reason yeah I, it's just, I think it's just a rush yeah you know just a challenge it's like let's go swimming in really cold water just to feel alive mm-hmm. i guess yeah um feel vigorous and feel youthful exactly yeah <laughs> so i listened to the band polar bear club and they've got an ep called the summer of george oh fabulous yeah so i was just uh going through some itunes uh uh you know just playlists and stuff and i was yeah. just listening and it came on, and I'm like, oh, I haven't listened to this one in ages. I forgot about the title. <laughs> the Summer like, of George. Perfect. Perfect. So, Lovely. Yeah. <laughs> Clearly, if you're listening, hey, 
if the Polar Bear Club listens to Bidwell Bask, <laughs> well, they're clearly Seinfeld fans. Maybe. Yeah. Well, they haven't been around for a few well, years. It's a so. massive coincidence if they call the Polar Bear Club and have an EP called The Summer of George. That's true. It's That's very true. coincidental. That's true. They're, yeah. they're obviously Seinfeld fans. So yeah. if you are listening, I saw you in 2010 and you guys were awesome. Nice. So, yeah. Uh, do any of the characters appear in your top 10? Yeah, well, actually, you know, originally Alton Bennis wasn't in my top 20, but... You know, I've got a renewed respect for Alton. He's number 15 okay. on my list. He knocks out, he's spreading propaganda kid from the race. Oh, so the he's out of my kid. Yeah, he's out of my top 20 now. Or the anti-commie kid. Yeah, that's right. Didn't we call him the capitalist kid or something? So, uh, I just call him the he's spreading propaganda kid. That right. was like my favourite line. Yeah. Um, yes, Alton's number 15. Cool. Yeah, I have a renewed respect, like I said, for Alton. And a okay. uh, great character. It's a shame Lawrence wasn't really well behaved on set. Otherwise, yeah. we would have seen more of him. It would have been nice to see him maybe a couple of times a season. Yeah. Or maybe integrating with the other parents or maybe other characters like Newman or something, you know? That would have been a funny uh, situation of him trying to get along. I mean, all of the parents... I mean, I guess it's arguable that um, jo- uh, Jerry's parents are probably the most sane, even though they're a yeah. bit wacky. You know, they're nowhere near as off the reservation as uh, as George's parents. Yeah. Um, or even Bab. Well, I mean, Bab's pretty... But she's not in that much. But no. it would have been funny to see Jerry's parents, who are pretty straight-laced and kind of boring yeah, in a way. Yeah, go up against Alton. Go up against Alton. Yeah, yeah. Or imagine... Oh, Frank Alton is, and Babs get together. That, that would be good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, they're both a bit lonely and mm-hmm. both been, need a bit of company. Yeah, yeah. Um, but imagine Frank Costanza and Alton, like those oh. two together. That would just be dynamite. That'd be dynamite. Oh. Like two amazing actors. That would be amazing. Yeah. You know, different forms of aggression. Yeah. You know, Frank's like <laughs> yeah. sort of like, like loud and sort of, you know, obnoxiously angry, whereas Alton's just sort of gruff and he's mm. got this intensity about him. Yeah. Oh, that would have been perfect. Yeah. What did, why did you do that, Lawrence? Yeah, Lawrence. Why did you shouldn't be a dick? Why'd you fuck it up? God damn it. Yeah. I mean, oh. we're appealing to a dead man, but... Yeah, but he's... Yeah, but he is indeed one of the best one-off Seinfeld characters. Definitely. Ever. Yeah. Definitely one of the best. Yeah. Um. Obviously, has he, has he gone up from number one? No. <laughs> he's dropped down to 47. Oh. No, I'm joking. So uh, we've gone through the top 10 characters time and time again. I won't yeah. go through them this week, but yeah. he, since we did the uh, episode uh, in season one about the Seinfeld parents, he has been number one, hasn't hasn't uh, been... Uh, knocked off. Knocked off, and that's still the case. I thought the customer would have been in your top 10. No. <laughs> yeah, she was great. I love books. Yeah, <laughs> 30 seconds. She comes home. in number two. <laughs> oh, no, she doesn't. No. <laughs> yeah. So um, out of... Now, r- remember, the, we did the contest, so I'm counting the contest in our top Seinfeld episodes of all time. My yep. contest is now my number one episode. Yep. Spoiler alert. Um, so out of the 41 episodes we've done, including the contest next week, mm. uh, where does the jacket sit? Uh, okay, so I'll go through my top 10. Oh, it's in 10. Of it course. is in top 10. Of course it is. Okay, so is it? number 10 is the phone message. Yeah. Number 9 is the apartment. Yeah. Number 8 is the pony remark. Yeah. Number 7 is the baby shower. Yeah. Number 6 is the stakeout. Number 5 is the limo. Oh, get out of here. Number 4 get out of town. is the sniffing accountant. Get out of town. Number 3 is the p- movie. <laughs> <laughs> number 2... Is the j- the pen? <laughs> That's your number one. Number one is the jacket. <laughs> the jacket, me. I'm not. I think it's a tremendously. <laughs> I think I think the funny lo- I think the Lawrence Tierney bits are amazing, but yeah. 
I don't know. The episode as a whole is a bit mediocre. Okay. Me. Yeah, but I was like, hey, you know, the contest for you was number 14. Yep. And for me, it's number one. So, yeah. you know, we're all different. That's we what like makes it interesting. We like what we like. Good. So, the jacket's your new number one. It's yeah. knocked off the pen. That's right. No. Nice. I mean, without without Alton, it wouldn't be it would, probably maybe top 20. It'd be a bottom 10 episode if it wasn't for Alton, I Pro- reckon. Yeah, yeah. probably. Yeah. I mean, he, he is by far and away the best thing about the episode. Oh, by but, far. But take him away. You know, I'm, I'm obviously very in love with Alton. Um, <laughs> but... <laughs> I, I like the rest of the episode. I find yeah, it really, yeah. it's really well written. I like how Elaine's sub story, you know, subplot with Kramer yeah. and the Dubs, it kind of like goes yeah. full circle into the main plot. And it's yeah, sort it's of, good. you know, we've, we've talked about many times that uh, the, you know, some of the most highly regarded episodes, not just by us or by me, but by, you know, fans, uh, the the bottleneck episodes that aren't set in the apartment or monks, yeah. like the Chinese restaurant yeah. or the car park or mm. whatever. And this is three quarters of bottleneck episode. Three quarters of the episode is set in the the hotel where Jerry and George are uh, hanging out with Alton. You have such an affinity for the older episodes. I do. Yeah. Yeah. Good. I don't know why. I think it's just there's just there's just mm. this simplistic charm about them. Yeah. I have an appreciation for the older episodes yeah. too. I, I yeah. like them. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, there's still 130 more episodes. Well, 140 more episodes to go. So yeah, this could change. This could change. You never know. Yeah. You know. So <laughs> so the jacket for me, it's number 21. Okay. Yeah. Halfway. Yeah, about halfway. Nice, yeah. nice. Do you? So you just said that if Elton wasn't in, it, it would be top. It'd 10. be bottom ten for me. Okay, quite easily, even right. bottom five. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Fair yeah. enough. Yeah. Now Elton makes it. Okay. But yeah, it's definitely, definitely uh, not one of the best I've seen. But okay. not one of the worst either. Fair in enough. In the middle. Yeah. So before we wrap up for the week, uh, Ivan's going to read Seinfeld here for the week. Seinfeld, yes. Seinfeld trivia from our desktop calendar for Tuesday, March twentieth, twenty eighteen. The implant episode had Jerry dating a woman whom he suspected of having fake breasts, played by the beautiful up-and-coming, or up-and-coming at the time, American actress Terry Hatcher. Hmm. The idea for that one struck writer Peter Melman while he talked to a female friend at a health club. When she caught him staring at a woman walking by, the friend said, They're fake. At first he considered using it as a throwaway interaction between Elaine and Jerry, but then he realised he could make it into an entire storyline. The episode ended with a memorable parting line from the implant girlfriend, they're real and they're spectacular. <laughs> one of the most popular lines from the show. Oh yeah, definitely one of them. One of yeah. the most quotable. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I can't wait to do the implant. We'll talk about Terry Hatcher and yeah. uh, her character. It'll be good. Yeah, we've been uh, doing some not so sort of you know legendary episodes lately. So it'll be nice to do a well other than the contest. Next yeah, which week. is next week, which which, which, which will be a replay of our live stream yeah, on Sunday, which yep. will be you know which was for a specific reason. Yeah, of we course. wanted to do a seminal episode for the live show, but um, yeah, it'll be nice to to get into some bigger episodes, yeah. so to speak. Well, the following point. week it's going to be a good one. Yeah, that's uh, right. we're going to talk about. The pool guy. The pool guy. Yeah, that's yeah. a good one. It is a good episode. Yeah, yeah. I only have three. I, I only have three friends. I can't. Don't have room for one more. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to the pool guy. It's, it's like, so true. He's a good character. The pool yeah, guy. Yeah. No, he is yeah. good. Yeah. Anton. Anton. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's good. So uh, next week, like Ivan said, we will be talking about the pool guy. Before then, if you want to get in touch, uh, sorry, uh, in no, two no, weeks. the week after. That's yeah, right. That's sorry. right. The pool guy. Yeah. yeah, I'm thinking of us recording, not our release schedule. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, if you want to get in touch with us, you can email us bidwabaskpodcast at gmail.com. Our social media handle is at bidwabask, B-I-W-B-A-S-C. Uh, you can listen to us, uh, rate us, review us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever else you get your podcasts. 
Uh, and we have a website, bidwabask.com. That's right. And if you want to watch our live stream and you don't want to wait till next week when we put it up on our RSS feed, you can go on our Facebook page and, and YouTube. We have a YouTube channel. Uh, find us, Bidwabask, and uh, yeah, it'll be there. Watch the whole thing. That's right. So yeah. And uh, we do have a few cool things coming up over the next few weeks, which we'll talk about as they're happening. Yeah, so, uh, definitely. A few, yeah. few major things. That's right. So up. keep listening. Thanks for listening so far, and we'll catch you all next week. Oh, well, not next week, the week after. True. <laughs> We're going to have a rest. True. <laughs> all right. We'll Great. see you in two weeks. Master of the house. <laughs> <laughs> Ready with a handshake and an open palm.